0: Hi, everyone.
1: It's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Tuesday, the 10th of August, 2021. Later, transparency improves when sending money overseas. But first to the NBN, which says the pandemic has highlighted the importance of such a service as more people stayed home. Revenue for the year increased by 21% to $4.6 billion. That's because it added 933,000 new premises. For more, I spoke with its CEO, Stephen Roo. Stephen, what do you see as the NBN's role during the pandemic?
2: So what we're seeing is obviously school kids being educated from home or university students uh, we're seeing people working from home, out in a hybrid model. In other words, in the office occasionally or at home. And clearly, during lockdowns, people have been working at home and and people running their businesses from home. But but also people being able to connect with loved ones and and indeed entertain themselves at evening and in evening time. There's never been more importance, therefore, for a a high-speed broadband to support Australians during this time. And I think I think that COVID just really proved the need for a high-speed broadband across the nation.
1: How have you enhanced the end-consumer's experience and ensured, I guess, an essential service, especially during lockdown?
2: Yeah, Ricardo, so what we did was we worked with the industry to ensure that our networks were engineered for the large increase in data that we saw at the time that the lockdowns came into came into account in March last year. Um, what, what happened overnight was there was actually a 30% plus growth in data um, of people living at home and entertaining or working from home or educating from home. And us and the retailers worked together to ensure that that, that service was seamless. Um, on top of that, we have seen a lot of people Um, decide to purchase higher speeds on our network. And and the reason for that is because the number of devices that are being connected or used or or the actual applications that they're using are are more data-hungry. And, again, the the ability to sell those higher speeds here has also given people the service that they need.
1: Those higher speeds, is that translating to, I guess, higher average revenues per customer for NBN?
2: Yes, yeah, so it will over time, over the over this particular year um, that, that we've just had. Our average revenue per user was, was actually the same as it was the year before. But the reason for that is because we have provided certain arrangements with the industry to ensure um, that they could purchase data at no additional charge to ensure that that customer experience I was talking about earlier was sustained. And we also had various packages that we introduced through our retailers, again, to ensure that businesses or residential customers who are struggling were supported during that time. And so this particular year, we have seen um, average revenue per user not grow. But over time, there's no doubt that the growth in data and, in, and indeed the growth in, into higher speed tiers that consumers will be purchasing will lead to that growth in average revenue per user.
1: I'm keen to know a little bit about your vaccination policy within the organisation, especially those that are on the front line that are going out into the community. Are you making vaccination mandatory?
2: Um, no, not at this stage, Ricardo. I mean, we will follow whatever the, the, the rules of either the federal government or state governments that put in place. Um, we do encourage our, our staff to be vaccinated. We do provide them with time off work to, become, to, to be vaccinated. But in terms of laying down any specific um, obligations, we're not doing that. We will wait and see what state and federal um, governments put in place.
1: And just finally, what's next for the NB- NBN? What are your key workings for the new
3: year?
2: Well, Ricardo, we announced last year uh, an additional $4.5 billion investment uh, in into the network, and that is to enable people on our various technologies, for example, in, in the what's called the HFC or the, or the cable technologies, to be able across that whole customer base to order the highest speed tiers and we're also uh, building out fiber deeper into the fiber to the node areas and for 2 million homes out of that just over 4 million base and and that will enable customers over the next few years to be able to order higher speeds and convert their Fiber to the node to a fiber to the premise service. We're also working with state governments in regional rural Australia to, with a, a co investment fund we announced last year, which totals $300 million. Working with them to provide um, in the regional remote parts of their states, again, greater broadband access. And finally, we announced indeed even only yesterday further extension of our business fiber zone products so this is enterprise ethernet products which is uh, provides high speeds both up up uplink and downlink um, and we will continue to expand our, um, our offerings of enterprise ethernet to businesses across australia again with a large focus on regional rural australia
1: Stephen Rue there, the CEO of NBN Co. From the NBN to business sentiment, because lockdowns have dramatically impacted business confidence, that's according to NAB, with its business confidence index falling into negative territory in July. For more, I spoke earlier with its chief economist, Alan Oster. Alan, last week the Reserve Bank Governor said that small businesses were fairly resilient. What does this survey say, though?
0: It's saying that small business and general business is feeling the pinch, particularly in terms of confidence and forward orders, um, and they're saying that they're not sure what's going to happen. I mean, if you want to put a positive spin in it, what we've seen over the last year or so is that once you get rid of the lockdowns, um, things come back pretty quickly. But, uh, you know, both confidence conditions, sport orders, fall fell pretty significantly and they fell basically more in New South Wales than anywhere else. But there were some states like South Australia that also getting 2nd effects as well. Um, and when I look forward, um, I can only see that these sort of data will get worse because we came out of the, out of the field of the 30th of July and at that stage... Victoria and Queensland were not in lockdown. And so, therefore, you know.
1: Can we break down some of the data? What typically happens when confidence is in negative territory?
0: If it stays in negative territory for a while, what we typically find is that business then become reluctant to employ, reluctant to invest. Um, Now, if it's just down and then straight back up, doesn't matter. But uh, to me, uh, it would basically say we're going to expect a pretty significant negative in GDP in the September quarter, provided that most of them have most of the lockdowns are either over or moderated a fair bit by mid September, then you might get a good bounce back in December if they hang on for a long time. The bounce back might not be till next year.
1: So we often hear, as you mentioned, about this strong recovery once restrictions are eased, right? Is there a real threat, though, that the strength of that recovery might be tapered the longer the lockdown lasts?
0: I don't think so because if you go back to Melbourne last year, particularly in the second lockdown, um, you know, by the time we got out in about November, December, it bounced back really quickly. So even from a long lockdown, you get that issue in um, you'll be opening clubs and pubs and retail and all that sort of thing, and so there'll be more people employed. Whether it means that businesses are a little bit more cautious about investing in employment, that might be a slightly different issue, but you will get a big kickback out of consumption in this um, sort of story.
1: Alan Oster there, the Chief Economist at NAB, from business confidence to the Australian share market, which hit another record high today, the 200 up 0.3%, 7,562, the tech sector doing best. For more, I spoke earlier with Marjabeen Zaman from Citi. Marjabeen, the the market keeps hitting a, a record high, despite growing COVID cases, especially locally. Where's the positive sentiment coming from?
3: Look, we think that COVID-19 risk is adequately priced into markets for now. We expect a rebound in the global economy in the second half of this year, given ample liquidity and loose financial conditions. Clearly, um, U.S. is leading the way with recovery, given strong um, Q2 earnings with well over 86% of the S&P 500 companies beating consensus earnings. Now, coming to Australia, similarly, um, we have seen improved earnings momentum from Q2 which continue to support the ASX across most sectors, including um, building, tech, and financials. Um, Also, I must say that, you know, businesses were clearly supported by strong balance sheets, um, excess liquidity, excess capital, for banks, particularly strong asset quality, and the non-experience of previous lockdowns. Now, I must say that materials and financials, which make up around 50% of the ASX 200, uh, this sector is really supported by large dividend payouts. Now, we have to think today we are in a very low rate environment. And as a result, we continue to see flows from investors into these sectors for the high dividends, looking to make the cash work harder.
1: Okay. Given the current lockdowns, though, what's your outlook for the economy?
3: Look, we had the uh, SMP uh, released uh, with upgraded forecast from the RBA last week. Um, clearly, they were pretty optimistic and they had a few assumptions and they were assuming in their assumptions that um, the current Sydney lockdown potentially persists through September quarter. And also the current Queensland restrictions end as planned. Uh, Also, their um, forecast did not quite include the current lockdown that Victoria is experiencing. So they implicitly assumed that 70 to 80 percent of the Australian population would be vaccinated by year end. Now, in reality, um, as we stand today, Australians' vaccination rates stand at about 22 percent or so. Uh, which really means that the likelihood of a substantially negative Q3 GDP growth uh, and potentially spilling over to Q4 seems a little bit more likely than not. Um, Now, basically, this will potentially feed in through more pessimism and higher savings on part of um, consumers and businesses. Now, while the RBA is expecting GDP growth to contract at least by 1% in Q3, We at Citi are expecting a sharper fall of around 1.5% in the Q3 GDP number, followed by a slower pickup in Q4.
1: So adding that to your other forecast for the Australian dollar, for example, what does it mean for the currency?
3: Well, currently we're trading at around uh, 73.22 levels, very close to our year-to-date lows around 72.90 or so. Um, so there are a few reasons why we uh, see a little bit of a downside here, uh, a little bit of pressure in the short term, very short term. And that's really due to one reason could be the potential slowdown that we're seeing in China, not forgetting that the renminbi is correlated to the Australian dollar. Number two, uh, we're, also ex- we're also seeing uh, reduced liquidity via seasonal trends in the market. Finally, just on the back of the negative quarter we're expecting uh, in GDP numbers, this Q3, that's gonna have a little bit of that pressure on the Aussie side of things. However, over the medium term, we definitely see more upside in the Aussie, so more of buy on dips. And the reason for that is threefold. The first, we saw the hawkish tilt from the RBA. Clearly they are joining their other commodity counterparts, the RBNZ, Bank of Canada, taking a U-turn in policy direction. Secondly, um, in the medium term, Aussie will Aussie dollar will rally uh, just because sentiment globally is improving, and you know on the back of bullish uh, risk uh, environment and the global growth recovery that we're seeing on a broad base. Finally, um, a bit of the sell-off or a little bit of the correction in Aussie dollar over the past few months has really been because of the U.S. dollar strengthening. And that's because the U.S. has really taken a lead in economic recovery in 2021. Now, the gap between the U.S. and other economies will narrow, while U.K., Europe and also Australia into next year will uh, you know, come on par with their recovery. So this should, you know, have a little bit of a dampening approach uh, for a, a little bit of a dampen of the U.S. dollar and allowing the other currencies to move higher. And that's where we see the Aussie dollar. Yeah.
1: Marja, Beans is the man there from City, And he's one for you if you transfer money internationally. The ACCC says companies facilitating those international money transfers are becoming more transparent with fees. So to find out a little bit more, I spoke earlier with the chairman of the ACCC, Rod Sims. Rod, how exactly has price transparency improved?
4: Price transparency Fortunately, has improved enormously in foreign exchange remittances. Not too long ago, you could go in and ask for a certain amount of foreign currency to send it back to relatives, perhaps uh, overseas, and you just didn't know how much the ticket was going to get clipped by correspondent banks. We had dreadful cases where people would send a hundred of whatever the currency was, and only find that. 10 or 20% would turn up in the bank account of the person to whom the money was being sent. I mean, just awful, given how hard people work. So now, virtually all the remitters have on their website a tool where you put in how many uh, Papua New Guinea kina, for example, you want to send, and it will tell you what dollar amount you need to pay, including the exchange rate, the fees. You pay this dollars, and this many Kenyan will get to somebody's account in Papua New Guinea.
1: One of the players that I spoke to would argue that the real crux of the problem is what they call the sky-high markups on the exchange rate, which are still hidden, and that the upfront fees aren't the problem. So, what's your response?
4: But my response is that we've been doing these. Uh, Bits of advice to consumers for a long time. And what consumers want is keep it simple. I want to send 100 keener to Port Moresby. You tell me all up how much money I have to give you to get 100 keener to someone in Port Moresby. If the markup is, you know, I'm giving you a markup of 40%, well, that's fine. It sounds like a complete and utter ripoff. But what you want to know is how much money you've got to pay and which bank or which money remitter Is going to require you to pay the lowest amount of dollars to get the 100 Kina into the account in Port Moresby. That's really what people want to know. Keep it simple. Has there
1: been any evidence that the cost of transfers have improved since the inquiry?
4: Oh, absolutely. Uh, uh, We certainly found in the inquiry that there were uh, some emerging players that were offering just stunningly better rates than the big four banks, for example. Now there's more of them. We've also noticed the big four banks uh, uh, are giving better deals because of the competition. So, no, there's been massive improvement and we're just delighted both with the extra competition that's emerged uh, but also the fact that just about everybody now is providing these comparison services so that people can get best value for the money when they're sending money back home to relatives. And just finally, what's your message to those other consumers,
1: particularly those of non-English speaking backgrounds when using these services?
4: Uh, Look, to be honest, my first bit of advice would be get somebody young in your household or in your neighbour's household to give you a hand uh, because obviously a bit of computer literacy helps and a bit of English literacy helps. So I would just find somebody in your circle who can give you a bit of a hand. It won't cost more than Five or ten minutes, I think most people would be willing to help out, uh, and so if you're for example, parents you know you're, you're, you've got kids, the kids don't have to be that old to to, work, to be able to work out how to help you do this, so uh, absolutely uh, find someone who can help you, and it's absolutely worth it
1: Rod Sims there the ACCC chairman that is SBS on the money uh, for this Tuesday don't forget you can listen to this as a stream across various podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and the SBS radio app.
0: This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.